And now we're going to turn to the Bible. So if you can be finding in your Bibles Luke chapter 2. There are some copies of the Bible on the windowsills around us if you haven't got one available. So I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 2. And I'll be reading verses 25 to 33 in the New International Version. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at this, at what was said about him. We do thank God for his word. So we've reached the beginning of our Advent series. We've got here. We've made it. It feels like that at Christmas sometimes, doesn't it? We've sort of got there. We've been planning it and we've been thinking about it and it's been on the programme and we've had the Ephesians series and then we had the um, uh, Christian Response to Poverty series that John did and now we've reached Advent. Jacob thinks it's far too early to be singing a Christmas song. Uh, Just got those vibes when I was stood next to him when we was doing that. Uh, He also thinks it's too early to be watching Christmas films and to put decorations up. So you might be in that camp. So, you know, you can talk to Jacob afterwards and say, yeah, we agree with you. Or you might be in the other camp. You might have been watching Christmas films since February. I don't know where you're at, but uh, some of you are looking forward to it. But we've reached the beginning, but we don't know what's around the corner, do we? We can plan things, and we have planned things. Very different Christmas. What are you hoping for this year? It was a very different Christmas last year, wasn't it? And um, because of this new word, Omicron, which means oh in the Greek language, by the way, we've had Alpha, we've had Delta, I don't know what happened to Epsilon, Eta, Zeta, Theta, Iota, Kappa, Lambda, but now, Kasai, we've got Omicron. So it may be that we've had lots and lots of different variants that have gone all the way through, but none of them are as important as this one. So it may be that. I was thinking about that in the shower this morning. Why have we jumped from Delta to Omicron? I don't know. But we have. And it may be because, as I say, it's a bit more transmissible. We don't know. Boris was on the telly last night, so when Boris is on the telly, we think obviously something important is going on. Masks are going to be compulsory, aren't they, in shops and on public transport from next week at some point. We don't know what's going to happen in churches, but there may be something, so look out for it. The COBRA team will meet, as we've always done. We want to make this a safe space. We want people to feel welcome and safe. It's not just about being here. It's about wanting to be here and knowing that when you're here, you want to come back again. (laughs) Not sitting here thinking, well, I can't go there again. That was was a horrible experience. That's what we don't want. So we'll be thinking, uh, please do pray for us as we think about what has to happen and what does happen. And just a reminder, you know, the masks and things, please do wear your mask when you're moving around the building. And the 
those at the back where it keep them on as you've got them on those at the front and how to take them off that may change but at the minute that's where we're at so we don't know what's going to happen do we we're going to learn about it over the next few weeks we'll find out how bad it's going to be how the vaccines will stand up rob was praying because we think that, you know someone was saying it takes 100 days to adapt a vaccine to a new mutation so what does that mean does that mean we've all got to get revaccinated? i don't know we don't know do we but the fact of the matter is, big things are happening and big things impact us, don't they? Big things are happening and big things impact us. And this Advent series is really about big words. Big words like hope, joy, glory, peace, love. Words that when understood and grasped in Christ really do impact us as well and the reason it's worth sticking with this advent series is because the big words when they're fully grasped in christ help us to deal with the big things don't they the big words can help us to deal with the big things we're not just having an advent series that's irrelevant and talking about events that happened 2000 years ago we're also trying to think of how we deal with new things that come along like this COVID thing that we've all been going through. Big words to deal with big things. You know, the words that we're looking at are bigger than Omicron. The words that we're looking at are bigger than COVID. In fact, the words that we're looking at are bigger than death. Because they continue through afterwards. And today we start with faith, as you know, because Phil did a great job earlier. His trust in East Midlands Railways. 527, Phil? I mean, well done, you know, that's a worthy round of applause, isn't it? 527, is that every week? 527 East Midlands Parkway, wow, fantastic. And that's at the station, that's the time the train leaves, you've got to get up before that and get there, haven't you? But we're thinking about faith, and we're linking these, these big words with events that happened around the birth of Jesus, and we see it in the Bible, with the different people involved so we can learn today. So Phil said we're going to be looking at Joseph. We had a reading about Simeon. Phil was right, Rob was right. We're looking at Joseph and we're looking at Simeon and we're going to throw in another little verse in there as well which is Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 which says this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So we've got four things that we're going to think about to do with faith this morning. Two of them are in that first verse, and then the other two, one comes in with Joseph and one comes with Simeon. So that's where we're going this morning. The first thing that I want to think about is this. Hopefully it will come up behind us. The next slide, thank you. Which is this, faith needs to be communicated. Faith needs to be communicated. Those words in Romans 10 verse 17, what's Paul doing is he's observing, isn't he? He's, he's just laying out the, the way things happen. He's observing the way things are done. Faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. So if faith comes through hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ, the word about Christ needs to be communicated. That's what Paul's saying, for faith to come. You know, faith is not just some general belief or even a specific belief in the wrong thing. You know, Phil could have believed that the 528 to Edinburgh would have got him to London, but it wouldn't, would it? 
It had to be the 527 to London that was going to get him to London. Now, that makes complete sense to us. But faith has to be in the right thing, doesn't it? And Christians have faith in the word about Christ. Faith is in a person, Christ. How do we know about Christ? Because we've got his word. The Bible tells us about him, doesn't it? And if you're a Christian here this morning, or if you're listening to this, hello everybody on YouTube, you wouldn't be here or listening, would you, unless somebody had communicated the message to you. That's the reality, isn't it? We wouldn't be here unless somebody else had communicated the message to us. You know, when I was 14 years old, if you'd have told me this was going to be what I would do <laughs> for my life and where I would be, I would have just laughed my head off. That's stupid. I'm going to church. And yet people persevered and helped me to see the message about Christ in the Word. And something's happened for you. It's different for all of us. You may remember one particular person that's helped you to move from no faith to faith as you've heard the message. Many different people over the centuries have kept this message alive, haven't they? It's just word of mouth, isn't it? That's kept it alive. One person telling another person. And it's been kept alive because the people who have heard it have responded to it and had faith. You know, if you're not a Christian this morning, and you're listening to this, know this, that faith comes from the message being heard. That's how it comes. Find out what the message is about Christ. Now, not everybody responds in the right way. Not everybody has faith. Sometimes the message falls on deaf ears. We know that. You'll know that. I'm sure lots of you can tell me experiences of where that's happened. And often we need to hear the message more than once to understand it. Not always. But often we have cultural baggage to work through, ideas that need unpicking. We need to accept some very uncomfortable truths about ourselves and see ourselves as we really are before God, and that's hard for us. We have to come to an understanding that we're sinful people, that we've offended God, that we are rebellious against him, that we're in control of our own lives and want nothing to do with him. Those things sort of aim at our pride, don't they? And they cut deep within us. But unless we really grasp those things, we don't have true faith. Unless we've really understood that we need saving, that Jesus comes as a saviour. Then we don't have true faith. So faith needs communicating in the first instance. We need to hear about it and we need to tell people about it. This is why we have things like the carol service. If you've got your invites, you can take them. Um, Ross probably told you on the way in don't just take a handful and keep them in a drawer at home they're really they're, they're nice ones so if you're going to invite somebody take one and pass it on to them do that with the invites faith needs communicating it's the first thing second thing uh, just staying on this passage here before we move on to some of the people around Christmas is faith needs to be activated brilliant example you know, we saw the train come in, didn't we? We saw it in the background. I mean, it was so slow, wasn't it? <laughs> Phil, I mean, she was like, Ugh. But we all know the secret of comedy. So he comes through. 
Finally, 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 and Phil's thinking, yeah, the train's here, I'm going to get to London, I'm going to get to London. And he could have still been on the platform as the train left, saying, I'm going to get to London, I'm going to get to London, the train's in, the train's here, the train's gone, I'm going to get to London. But he's not, is he? Unless he activates his ticket in a sense of steps onto the train. He's got to take that step of faith, hasn't he? He knows the train will get in there, he believes it, and he believes it enough to get on it. Now, you know, if you don't travel very much by train, that is, that, is a, that is faith. I don't think the train systems in this country have set up stations for people who are going to a middle destination <laughs> and not sure of their geography of the country. So you get to a train station and you think, right, I want to go to uh, Bedford, for example. But you don't know where Bedford is. Is it north? Is it south? And there's no train to Bedford. It's the train to London that you need to be on. It's going to go down that way and it's going to go through. And you're thinking, well, I don't know. I don't. And then you need to ask them. I said, what do you do? Well, well I, I get on the train and I say, does this train go to Bedford? I mean, I know it goes to London, but is, is Bedford between here and London? Or do I need to be on the Edinburgh train? You have, you have, it's tough, isn't it, when you're not sure. So that step of faith onto the train, trusting, is, is, a, it is a step of faith. And it needs activating. We need to put our faith in it, in the train, and we need to put our faith in Jesus. It needs to be activated. It's a natural progression. We have to believe the message, not just agree with it. Do you know what I mean? Not just sort of give a nod to it, sort of say, well, you know, okay. You know, Jesus died for you. He died for your sin. He wants you to be in heaven with him. He wants to forgive you for all the things that you've done wrong. Yeah, okay, I could probably make use of that. That's not faith. It's something that needs to be grasped hold of. Jesus died for me. What do I need to do? Well, you need to trust him. It's a message of life-changing magnitude. It will demand a lot from us. There is a cost to be considered. We need to be ready to give up the self-rule of our lives. It's not what I think anymore. It's what God says. What does he say? We need to find out in his word. But if we've realized that we need saving, that we're guilty sinners before a holy God, we will want to activate it. If we realize that God has provided a way out for us, that we're drowning in a sea of sin and that we're cut off from him, and we have no way of being able to get to him, but then, in his grace, and his mercy, he throws us a life boy ring. We don't look at it, do we? And say, well, yeah, I can make use of that. We grab it with both hands. Can you imagine being in the middle of the sea? And you know that you're doomed. Doomed. <laughs> You've had it. And then the ring is thrown. What do you do? You try and get to it, don't you? you? You grab hold of it. You think, yes, salvation. Faith has to be activated, like grabbing hold of the ring, like getting onto the train. And these are some ways that it's been activated over the years. Some ways that, some words that people have said. God, if you're there, Help me, I need you. That doesn't sound like a prayer of faith, does it? But it is, often. Lord, I'm at the end of myself. Help me. Prayer of faith. Lord, save me. Lord, I turn from living for myself and I turn to you. Forgive me all I've done wrong and save me and help me to live for you. I'm sorry, Father, for I have sinned. Please have mercy upon me. I trust, Lord Jesus, that you died for me and I give myself to you. There 
Prayers of faith. Prayers that activate faith. We can do it anywhere and we can do it anytime. We can do it with somebody or we can do it on our own. It was over 30 years ago when I sought out my youth leaders with some questions and went to their house quite late at night, probably about half ten, turned up, bless them. <laughs> and they welcomed me in and we had a cup of tea and we had some questions. And then gone 12 o'clock in the morning, one of them said, Lord, do you want to pray? Do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I said, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. And we prayed. My faith was activated. I knew that it needed activating. Got a bank card a couple of weeks ago. New bank card. All black. It was absolutely useless until I activated it. I mean, it says everything on it. It's got my name on it. I'd signed it, but that didn't make any difference. It's got the little number that I need if I go on the internet and buy something. It's got the long number that I need if I go on the internet and buy something. It's got the little chip and pin thing that I can just wave over something and the money's gone out of my account, just like that. But it was pointless and useless to me for doing anything that it's supposed to do until, what? I activated it. I had to go online and activate. It wasn't hard, but I had to do it. And that's the thing with faith. We need to activate it. Have you? Have you activated it? Have you turned to Jesus and said that you're sorry for all the things that you've done wrong? Recognize that he's died for you. Not in some general way. Not some general belief. I had a general belief for many years before I was a Christian. and thought I was a Christian. But it was that realization that his faith needed activating that changed me. So, first of all, it needs communicating. Secondly, it needs activating. And then thirdly, and now we're moving to Joseph. So Phil was right. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to open it so we can look at it together. Faith needs to be acted upon. Faith needs to be acted upon. So I'm going to read these verses in chapter 1 of Matthew, verses 18 to 25, because we think about Joseph, often overlooked, um, but we find out what happens to him here. If you want to follow it, then please do. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce, to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So faith needs acting upon. How did Joseph act upon his faith? Well, we see, first of all, he knows what God's word says about marriage and purity, doesn't he? How we should live. And he doesn't want to disgrace Mary, so he quietly wants to cut things off with her. He's a man of integrity. 
He's a gentleman in the right sense of the word. His faith is being acted upon. But then, staggeringly, this angel appears. I mean, it is staggering. I know at Christmas there's angels all over the place in the different stories, but it's still a big thing, isn't it? And the angel gives him a message. What the angel, you know the word angel means messenger? That's what it means in the Greek. So the messenger comes. The message is from God. It's a word from God. Faith comes by hearing the word. And this word is about Christ. Joseph hears it and then he acts upon it. Verse 24, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary home as his wife. So in faith, he's going to leave Mary quietly and in faith, he stays with Mary. <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? In faith, he looks at the word of God and he thinks, right, in this situation, I can't stay with Mary. But then the message of God comes more specifically to him. It's not that the rest of the word is wrong. It's true. He's doing the right thing. But in this particular situation, the word of God comes to him and says, no, we want you to stay with Mary. You're doing the right thing, but actually in this instance, it would be the wrong thing. Stay with Mary. In faith, he listens to the word of God. He listens to the message. He acts upon his faith. Trust the messenger. You can see it in people. You know, it's been encouraged twice this week. <laughs> been encouraged how people are responding in faith to God. And sometimes you see this, don't you? You hear different stories. I know one person who's shared with me this week how they're seeking to forgive because they've read it in the scriptures. And you just think, I just sit there and think, power of God at work right there. God using his word to speak into people's lives to help them to see what they should be doing. Somebody else has shared how um, they want to help people, that they're people that haven't been great to them in the past, but now these people are in difficulty and they're struggling. They're praying through how can we help, what can we do? Because they want to honour God. And you just think, that's brilliant. This faith is being acted upon. You know, when we walk away from temptation, rather than giving into it, we're acting on faith, aren't we? When we give time, energy, resources to the cause of the gospel, we're acting on faith. When we seek to go the extra mile and do something sacrificially, we're acting on faith. We're saying, I know that Jesus is true and I trust him and I believe him. Joseph received the word and did what he was told. Acting on faith. And you know, it's not some mysterious thing. It's not trusting God for something he hasn't promised. It's not a feeling that we have to have. It's a response to his word. His word is tough. It calls us to trust in difficult situations. That's where the faith comes in. You think of that list of people in Hebrews 11. As Phil mentioned earlier. They had a tough time. They went through difficulty and trial. I mean, this talks about some of them being cut in half, doesn't it? The world was not worthy of them. I love that phrase. The world was not worthy of them because they were people of faith. They weren't trusting what they could see. They trusted what they knew God was doing. And now they're with him. Faith needs acting upon. It needs communicating. It needs activating, but it needs acting upon. It becomes part of our lives, doesn't it? The things we do in life are from faith it has to impact our life it has to and then finally 
finally we see from Simeon, we finally get to our reading, we see from Simeon that faith will be rewarded. Faith will be rewarded. Luke 2, 25. Why is this episode recorded for us, do you think? I mean, Simeon's a great guy, isn't he? You get, get the impression Simeon's a great guy. When I read this, it comes up and I think, oh, I'd like to look at Simeon. We admire people like him who gives himself sacrificially for a long time. He's righteous and devout. He's waiting for God to act for Israel. He's a man of faith, isn't he? He knows God through his spirit has communicated to him that he's going to see the Messiah. And he waits patiently. And then he sees this child and he says, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. He's ready to go. Simeon is ready to be released for the silver cord to be severed. Why? Because his eyes have seen the king. The light of the world, the solution, the glory of Israel. Why is he here? Well, to give us these words, no doubt. But to also to show us, I think, that there were faithful believers. There were faithful believers in Israel. And we might miss that when Jesus grows up and we, we all hear all the stories of the Pharisees. We wonder if there's anybody faithful around, but there were. He's a faithful servant of God, and his faith is rewarded. But this is the thing. I think that our faith is rewarded in the same way as Simeon's faith was rewarded. And I think that's why he's here. You may think you have nothing in common with a man who lived 2,000 years ago and just managed to see Jesus' birth. But you do. If you're a person of faith, if you're someone who has heard the word of Christ and activated that faith and truly trusted in Christ and acted upon that faith in the way that you live your life, you have something in common with Simeon. Because your reward for that faith will also be looking on the face of Jesus. We will see him as he is. Faith is rewarded with the person the faith is in. <laughs> we will see our Saviour. You know, 1 John 3, 1 is often quoted here, isn't it? I think it's John's favourite verse. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. It's an encourager, isn't it? We love it. But I want to think about verse 2 for a minute. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall see him as he is. The same person, John, wrote these words in Revelation chapter 1. He's describing Jesus. He says, I saw someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like glowing bronze in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. It's symbolic language. If you take it literally, it's quite grotesque, actually. 
If you try and draw the picture of these things, it would look awful, wouldn't it? But if you try and capture the symbolism and draw the picture of the brilliance of the person that he's trying to tell us about, imagine the, the power and the majesty of his robe, the authority of the gold sash, the wisdom and purity of the white hair, the piercing eyes that miss nothing, the strength of the feet that cannot be moved, the sheer force and power of his voice, and the brightness of his perfect, holy, awesome face. I mean, what a picture that would be. And that will be the reward of faith. Notice here, he says, it's someone like a son of man. This is not the earthly Jesus. It is him, but it's him in all his glory. And that's what we'll see. We shall see him as he is. Solomon, not Solomon, he was years ago. Simeon saw him as he was. We shall see him as he is. You ever hear somebody say one of these silly little phrases like this? Really, really wind me up. I don't know about you. Oh, well, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why he allowed all this suffering. You know, I've got a few questions for him when I get up there. You know, he's got to tell me a, few, a thing or two. You, you, people say those things. I mean, they're not people of faith generally. Well, they're not. <laughs> but they come out every now and again. There's this sense of which we can hold God accountable. I prefer John's response in verse 17 straight after this. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. I think that's the right response, don't you? To someone so powerful, so awesome, so full of majesty and glory. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. The reward of faith, in a way, is the same as Simeon's. We'll look into the face of the king. We will see him as he is. Because true faith is in him. True faith trusts him in the joys and the trials. True faith keeps going. True faith is communicated. True faith is activated. True faith is acted upon. And true faith will be rewarded.